the town of tribulation and straight on to Daring Do, chapter 2. The next morning I was woken by the sound of rain on the roof slates above me and when I drew back the curtains I was met by the sight of grey clouds so low that they seemed to have covered the bottom of the field outside my window. Little rivulets of water ran down the path next to Grey Malkin Cottage until they reached the end of the drive where they formed an ever-growing puddle. Even with Grandad's binoculars, I would not have been able to see my house in this weather. I rested my chin on my hand and looked out at the darkening sky and I knew that I would be bored today, wishing more than anything that I could be back in my own home with Ma. This weather is set in for the day, Grandma observed over breakfast. She looked at my gloomy face and then added brightly, So, it's a cupboard day. She went on to say that as I was going to be staying for some time, it would be a good idea if we sorted out the cupboards in my room. That way, I could have my own space to organise as I wished, and at the same time, she could get rid of some rubbish. I'd always loved cupboard days at Grandma's. She never threw anything away, and opening doors in every room always revealed shelves stacked high with Ma's and Aunt Hattie's old books and toys, photograph albums, dressing-up costumes, and collections of everything from thimbles to tea trays. One man's junk is another man's treasure, she said. I didn't ask, because for once I knew exactly what she meant. My room was larger than most in the house because it had formed the top floor of an extension my grandparents had added to the original cottage as their family had grown many years before. Across the end wall, a row of eight doors reached from floor to ceiling. They had been built as wardrobes for my mother, as this had been her room when she was a child. Grandma opened the left-hand door and took a deep breath. Oh, worse than I thought, she muttered. This is going to take hours. She tore three bin bags from a roll she had brought up from the kitchen and placed them on the floor in front of the cupboard. On three slips of paper, she wrote, Keep, Recycle Stroke Charity Shop and Bin and placed one on each of the three bags. We began quite well asking each other's advice if we were unsure about which pile something should go on. But then I would be distracted by a toy I wanted to play with or Grandma would find a book she wanted to read and the sorting would come to a halt. However, after about two hours, three piles stood in front of us. The keep pile was at least twice as high as the other two. Grandma shook her head. Mm, the charity shops aren't going to do very well out of us. I was eager to read some of the books I'd found and thought the sooner we finished the other seven cupboards, the sooner I could start. So I rushed to the second door and pulled it open. Not that Grandma did not have time to finish the sentence before I found myself standing in front of a pile of slightly familiar objects. Boat, I exclaimed. It was not that she had managed to squeeze a 28-foot yacht into a bedroom cupboard, but that everything that belonged on the yacht was in there, or in one or two or three of the next cupboards. 
long, narrow curtains, bright blue with a rope and anchor pattern, had been washed, pressed and neatly folded and stored in plastic bags. Beneath them, the triangular cushions from the fore cabin stood behind the smaller ones from the bench seats. A box of charts, flags and books, together with a barometer, ship's clock and a foghorn, stood in a box. Next to them, a tub labelled galley from which saucepan handles and a wooden spoon protruded caught my eye. Grandad's pride and joy had been his boat, the Fiona. He used to joke that she was the only woman in his life apart from Grandma. When he was not sailing her, he would spend hours in the old harbour, adding gadgets, fixing or just plain tinkering, as Grandma would say. We last sailed just before the end of October, Grandma said wistfully. Cushions and curtains could be covered in mildew and charts by the next time you visited, and the books don't like damp. She was finding it difficult to continue. Sighing, she said, By now your grandad would have been sailing every weekend. I'm sorry, Grandma, I said, putting my arm around her. I didn't mean to... There's nothing to be sorry about, she said. And then taking a deep breath, she sprang to her feet and said, Right, I think it's time we went to visit my old friend Fiona. If this rain eases off and tomorrow is fine, we'll take all of this over to the old harbour and make the boat shipshape and Bristol fashion. I didn't ask what that meant, but was delighted at the prospect of seeing the boat again. The next morning, I woke to the sunlight streaming through my curtains and was so excited by the prospect of going to the old harbour that I'd showered and dressed before realising that it was only 5.30 in the morning. Trying not to make too much noise, I carefully opened the last boat cupboard and found Grandad's binoculars and a compass in a box marked Miscellaneous. I tiptoed downstairs and quietly left the house by the back door. Placing the compass on the garden table, I waited for the needle to settle on north. Then, scanning the horizon, I looked not for my house to the east, but for the old harbour to the northwest. A row of white masts came into focus, and following them down to the waterline, I spotted one with a light blue hull. Although I was unable to make out the name on her stern, in my mind's eye I saw the word Fiona, written in black and gold lettering. I lowered the binoculars. I'll look for my house tomorrow, I told myself, as I felt a soft, warm head nursling against my leg and a familiar chirp that meant breakfast time. (laughs) 